friends, how's it going? Zig coming in at the top of the interview. Today I have Mikey Silas from Apostle Jones with me. Um, we are discussing their new release. They just came out with an EP, Lilith. It's available on all streaming platforms. And Mikey is one of those musicians who performance, whose performances takes over the stage. You can't help but be drawn into what's going on because he has this character that... I don't even know if it's character, it's just Mikey. It takes over everything and there's this energy and this voice that's so soulful but in this low register and it goes in these screams these like almost metal screams and but it's not it's not it's really singer songwritery but it's not at the same time and then to see him with his band where the whole ensemble is doing this and supporting each other it's it's a spectacle it's a it's like a like a theatrical performance there's a lot of hype behind apostle jones and i think they live up to it um, so for them to finally come out with a studio release, this is super exciting. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to play a little bit of the last track from their release called um, Gypsy Rising. And I really like it because my buddy Tyler is playing, um, he's playing bazooki on it. And uh, so we're going to check that out before we get into the interview. Apostle Jones, Gypsy Rising, Mikey on vocals, and we're going to get to that interview with Mikey Silas. Um, before we do that, friends, if you hear anything you like, if you can like, subscribe, comment, rate, review the podcast and any of the platforms, it would help out a lot. Um, without further ado, here's Mikey. Cool beans. Uh, hanging out with Mikey Silas here in the in the homestead, Zig at the Gig podcast. How's it going, my friend? Hey, Dave. Uh, it's going pretty good today. Uh, beautiful day. Um, Browns started off the season well today again. Not really, but um, yeah, things feel kind of normal today. It feels nice. It's it's weird. Like I haven't haven't done one of these in a while, and a lot of when uh like when we were doing the um, virtual shows is when I really started to do a lot of these podcasts, and then I started back at work and haven't got to kind of sit down and do one in a while. And you guys are you putting out your EP? I'm like that's awesome. I need to talk to someone about something going on, and that's the thing. There's not too much going on, and like, or if it is, it's 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 convoluted. And I don't know if you want to push it. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, 
So the fact that there is a little bit of normalcy coming back in some way and the Browns still losing or whatever it is <laughs> right. is, is settling. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels... Um, yeah, we had a show last night at Music Box. Uh, it was it? like an EP, re- EP release show. And how that... So going into that, like... Yeah. I know the Music Box has been doing some shows and such. Have you been to any other than the one you've played? Yeah, but, uh, I, I want to saw Maddie Finn there, who's going to be there on September 24th again. Um, Double plug. And, there you go. And then, I, uh, and then I went and saw like a speaker like dinner thing. Um, yeah, I, I, cool. I've, I've enjoyed it every time. I think they're doing great. And what's like the what's like the setup there for someone who, like, how are they finding ways to work within those restrictions? Well, everything's really based off of table reservations that you yeah. make when you buy tickets. So they use those table reservations to space out the room uh, so everyone's six feet apart. Everyone can be in their own area. Uh, and they're really they're really enforcing the mask policy. And, you know, all the employees seem super into it and making sure things run smoothly. So, so yeah, I think they're doing a really good job at it's just kind of setting it up for people so that you don't really have to think about it even. That's cool. So it's kind of like, uh, wait, is it in the big room or the uh, um, the one below? You know, uh, the ones I've been down to, have been there for, have been in the the room on the dock. Okay. So the big windows, you open yeah, up the yeah. garage door, feels Which great. Super. It's a super rad place to have a show or go to a show, and it, despite whatever, like that's a cool spot. You get to see the boats passing behind you and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a super cool venue, and like, um, but that's cool that they're trying to make it almost just protocol where it doesn't seem like you have to worry about anything other than going. So that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Was so it? I wish them success for sure, and I really hope some of these places are still around when everything kind of really gets back to normal. Same, same. It's yeah. so, it's so weird, like um, but it's good. I don't know. There's there's ways around this, and like we're gonna figure it out, and we're gonna get through it as a as people, hopefully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hopefully, in key. Um, but for your guys's release, did you follow? Did you uh, was there anything like different implemented? And like, because you guys are pretty, uh, you get the crowd hype and it's so, I was thinking about how weird it is to not like kind of engage or get into the audience face a little bit. There's something like that, that rush from that. And if you can't do that or what, what, I don't know, not that you can't do that, but what's the guideline for doing that? Like, right. Well, you know, it's just kind of work with what you're given a little bit. And I kind of feel that at the show it really took on this more cabaret feel yeah you know the banter between the banter between uh songs just felt very natural and just like so i kind of was felt like i was falling back into some of my earlier performing days when i did a lot of theater yeah um and even more cabaret style performances and it just so there's sort of this natural feel of it, no fourth wall type of a thing. And people were sitting and enjoying. Um, and then Jessica, she she dances and embodies the music so well that that you kind of still get to feel like you're moving by watching her. So so we kind of have a so we kind of have a built in like dance into our set a little bit. So I think people can just sit back and enjoy that. And I really feel like we were able to just sort of adjust with it in terms of guidelines to 
to sort of fit in with whatever the moment called for. You know, I think it's like reading your audience type yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And like you're right, she does have like like she was streaming her just dancing to stuff over the whole COVID thing. She's got that way to make you feel like you're moving. That's Absolutely. It. But that's that's always been a really cool interplay of Apostle Jones is the ensemble and her being part of it. Not too many bands have a tambourine player, you know what I mean? And like, but that's right. That's not just what she is. She's like no, this absolutely. whole dynamic force, which is like makes. I don't want to say a spectacle, but it makes a show. It makes like everything like, whoa, this is something different. These guys are up to something, and like you see like the pictures of just even snapshots, and you're like, damn, this looks cool. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Well, I mean, we love it, and the thing I love about. Uh the way this band has evolved is it so naturally sort of celebrates who people are individually and what they're bringing to the table. So there's a really nice, um, there's a really nice sort of collaboration always happening, you know, like we're not like we're all, we're all focused on the same thing, but it isn't necessarily one person's, um, one person's point of view coming through musically. Um, and we've been, so we're constantly, I feel like we've been evolving and over quarantine and especially the recording, the EP process. Um, we really wanted to make sure that, um, that we were able to feature Jessica with a little bit more of the depth that she has as a performer. So we've been bringing her in on vocals and we actually focused a whole part of our show at music box on making sure we had a run in the set where we were splitting the vocals up. She was singing the hooks and, oh, uh, and then even Todd and Tyler were singing on it and, and, uh, and practices so far, bird has been doing it too. Um, so, so we're kind of, we're sort of growing musically as a family right now. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and Jessica's a big part of that. That's awesome. Well, it, everyone in your group is, has been in other groups and has such a thing to add to just individually, like you're saying, um, but so to kind of backtrack a little bit, you started yeah. with theater. Um, fair enough. I'm right? exposed. <laughs> um, well, no, I, I always loved music. But um, when I was in about to graduate high school, like I fell into theater because it was one of the ways. Well, I started to think about going to school for musical theater. Yeah. Because I wanted to develop my performing, but also theater just always, just made more sense for my life at the time. Um, uh, I was more in sing in the choir mm -hmm. than than in the orchestra or the band at school. So my my whole life just sort of geared more towards singing, and that took me through theater. And um, I went to school for it. I did it professionally in Chicago for uh, a bunch of years, and um, it's a huge part of who I am. But my love and purpose with music has always been geared towards rock music and original music. Um, and just some of that theater sensibility just stays with you, you know, and I, I love it. I think it's um, it's something that I feel weird about sometimes, like theater guy and like a non-theater world. But um but it's something I'm just learning to embrace a little bit more um, with wherever I am on my path in life right now. So it's, it's feeling good. That's awesome. So yeah, theater, theater is a big part of, of what I've done in the past. Well, that's, that's why it, I didn't know you did it professionally. That's awesome. Like, what was that like? Were you like a, were you a filling guy? Were you doing it like uh, running shows in Chicago? Was it like a, uh, yeah, well, my, like, uh, so I was a performer. Um, in Chicago, there's just this whole lifestyle built around, like, their theater 
the theater community and the theater industry, you know, like everyone's, it's, it's very similar to like how bands, you know, how you like, you pull off two jobs or whatever, yeah. you know, you have two lives and, and if you go hard in both of them, you know, like, you, like you're really living that life to the fullest in a certain way. Um, so it's really not that different for theater. So, but you know, you just look for every opportunity you can get. So I've been an actor, I've been, I've worked with companies in like a manager director position um, and uh, I've helped develop new shows, you know, and that's really where my yeah. heart went. So, so when the time came to think about auditioning for, for like national tours or going completely um, union actor, um, going equity uh, with the actors union was just kind of um, something called me to go more towards the path of developing original works and finding ways to incorporate m like music with with a play and not just like a musical but taking taking a soundtrack of your life and adding it to a adding it to a story type of a thing so i'm still my secret plan is still to keep working on like a show like that um but but the band is just where it's at right now, right now for me. Um, <laughs> that would yeah. be so cool if that came to be. Was it? So, what were some like original projects that you got involved with trying to get off the ground in Chicago? Um, so, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is kind of it's so Dennis DeYoung from Sticks. Yeah. Um, he he got the theater bug because he did a national tour of Jesus Christ Superstar and played Pontius Pilate, which is the best song in that show i think um but so he decided that's so good dude. And, that's really, that, and legit legitimately that's one of like the first albums that made me fall in love with music yeah um one of my first music experiences was doing it at, at like a church play um when i was in first grade so what? yeah in first grade yeah, first that's grade so I, cool. my solo was like Feed my purse. I'm a poor, poor man. But of course, I sang <laughs> as a soprano back then. But um, yeah. Wow. So anyway, so Dennis Young was doing this Jesus Christ Superstar tour, and he decided, oh, I I can write a musical. You know, this is great. So he wrote a musical version of The Hunchback of of Notre Dame, um, Notre Dame, whatever it is. Yeah. Mahal's, Mahal's, whatever. <laughs> it's all the same. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, but he. Uh, I've heard so of he, he developed this play, uh, this new musical based off the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and he wanted to do like the the premiere of it in Chicago. It had had a little run of it in Nashville, but he revamped it and stuff. So I ended up getting cast as like the lead supervillain in that Sick. in that musical. Yeah, and Dennis DeYoung was just wild to work with. I mean, he was so passionate about it, but man, was he like, he was like stage, stage mom, stage dad, yeah, like the whole way. And like, really, he was just kind of like investing in the place that was doing it. So the show, the show's a lot of fun. Um, and it's weird. I've been watching on TV. Um, so as I geared more towards developing original works, yeah. um, I was working with this company and uh, we developed a glam rock musical that was sort of this dystopian future um, where the, the numberless colonies rise and cool. uh, this this propaganda that's done through a traveling rock show. So it, it was it was this very like guerrilla theater, which is kind of like an immersive theater experience um, type of show. And that was fun. And then the last one of the last things I remember um doing in Chicago of, of like significance really was we did this sort of multi-camera um, sitcom that we staged with a live studio audience 
that was oh. then cut into an episode after filming for two days and released on YouTube. So that one was, it was like 1970s recording studio based sitcom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tracks and, but <laughs> uh, no, yeah, exactly. All that stuff. But you know, the whole thing was just done so much fun. So, uh, so yeah, no, I have a lot of great memories from theater, that, but I'm really glad amazing. to be, I mean, it's, it's a cool world. Like I really wish there were more, more uh there was more intersection in the cleveland community between the theater and the and the and the like uh i don't know original music community i don't know yeah. what you want to call it but um but uh, i just feel like there's such like a great world because you talk about that level of spectacle and stuff like that you know like when you combine multimedias and then you then you make local music the soundtrack for that you know i just i think it just it, it gives life to to people's music in in different ways, you know, and it's sharing it across like different communities. And I so I, I really I really wish there was more of that happening. So I'm looking forward to that maybe being in the future here. But definitely, I mean, you it, it does because so much of those two worlds come together, and it's kind of cliche. Musicals like oh, I get it, this thing, but like when you're combining like both, like realizing how much of a or no, I should say when you realize how much work goes into make like an original production come like even though, like with a traditional story like hunchback of notre dame or dame whatever we want to say right but even to make something like that it's such a big endeavor on a like on a theatrical level that like i think maybe that's why like different uh like bands are like well to, i was talking to a buddy of mine in the album right it's a it's a big deal and it's a hard thing to do and it's a lot of work right but compared to a film or uh, or a theatrical performance or something has multiple levels. An album or EPs, it's not that bad. It's a lot. It's a lot. But compared to like something that big where you have multiple things moving, it's a you know, it's a easier feat to overcome. So if you had two people working on that and really knocking out the music, the one thing, and I think that would be really cool. And like, it, when a band comes in with a little bit of theatrics, like it puts them apart. It makes like that's why Alice Cooper is cool, you know. What I, mean? I mean, right? Hello, yeah. Um, but okay. So when you said you did um, Jesus Christ Superstar when you were w uh, first grade, I don't know why I was going to say <laughs> yeah. one. I was like, no one did that when they won. But in first grade, so did your family like kind of like roll? Like, did they introduce you to these musicals? Did like was it embedded at home? Like, how did that? Because like in first grade. I didn't do shit like that. Like, I didn't even know. You could have told me what a note was, and I would, you know, it wouldn't have resonated with me. I'm like, is it R2-D2 or 3CPO? It doesn't make any sense. Right, right. Like, but to be into that at such a young age and reenact it and do it, like, that's that's awesome. Like, that takes a lot of people until they're in their 20s to even attempt to do it. So, like, right. was that around the home? Did your parents, were they musical or... No, um, I don't mean to say it like that, um, but uh, I mean, my mom could sing a little bit. Yeah. The, the way that they were musical is their love for music. Yeah. Uh, like my dad's record collection, massive, you know, like just 1970s, just everything that I feel like I identify with as sort of an artist today with a little bit, you know, if I were to make some sort of comparison or like or what like what era should I have been born in that whole type of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but you know, his record collection and, 
and everything that he introduced me to, you know, it really stuck with me. You know, like we always had a record player in the living room. You know, I loved looking through the albums. You know, I was always attracted to it. And my mom just loved music, but she, she was more of a, she liked a little bit more soul music. You know, yeah. she loved Aretha Franklin, Smokey Robinson, little Anthony the Imperial, um, like all these people. Like she just, so I kind of grew up with that, with that world a little bit. Um, but like in terms of theater and stuff like that, you know, my dad w would take us on like Saturday mornings to uh, me, uh, my little sister and myself, and we yeah. would go to see these like fairy tale reenactments, you know, and I think about it as having been an actor, like all like the times you do shows for like kids who are like in preschool and kindergarten or whatever. Yeah. And just kind of like put now understanding what it means to be an actor in one of those shows, but yeah, being yeah, one of those kids that saw those actors do that, you know, so it was with me, but uh, I grew up in a Unitarian household. So uh, we went to a Unitarian church and just kind of like Unitarian church just kind of has a little bit more like free spirited humanist um, kind of, you know, love the world, yeah. stop war type of mentality there. So the 1970s sort of, um, you know, uh, hippie feel of Jesus Christ Superstar was was very, like, in tune with that whole church there. So I, just, I think we just kind of fell into it just kind of by being exposed to music, and then that just happening to be what the church was doing that time. Gotcha. So that makes so much sense kind of hearing your mom's taste and your dad's taste and Apostle Jones and how that it comes together and how long I've known you. I've seen the soul bit and the theatrical bit, and that makes so much sense of your character now. Um, when you So that mindset of being the actor putting on the fairy tale play, right, or performance, right. and then being the kid seeing it, like when you switched to the actor what was the mind was it like oh come on i'm playing i need a real gig i'm doing stuff for kids here. uh you know what i mean like or was it kind of like i know how cool they think this is you know no i mean it? i feel like my experience in chicago was sort of like you know it was just i like i kind of for a period of time, I was really lucky that I was kind of constantly moving from project to project. Yeah. So it was almost like, I don't want to say it was like a source of pride, but it was something I was proud about that, you know, that I would be constantly working. So, uh, so I, so I feel like the gratitude is just sort of greater than whatever the gig was gotcha. almost. So it was, you were excited to be there and be like, whatever fairy tale we're doing getting those <laughs> come on hyped. princess i'll save you oh, yeah <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome what is it okay so then you did that for did you grow up in chicago is that originally so i was from? born in the cleveland here okay. um and i grew up most of my like young younger years here um and then i moved to chicago and lived there for 15 years and came back to Cleveland uh, not too long, like a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, the whole family was here and then everyone, I was in Chicago, my brothers and sisters were in South Carolina and, you know, everyone was real split up. Bless you. Thank um, you. Thank you. I thought I was trying to get off mic, but I think I got no, it on mic. you're mic. good. You're good. I was, uh, um, the, the, I was like panicking because I was running from one meeting to this. I'm like, I got, I got to scarf down a bunch of food. Uh, but okay. So how many, are you oldest 
of siblings? Uh, I am. I'm the the middle child. The middle child. Uh, okay. Middle child complex, whatever that is. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't even know what that means. But uh, all the archetypes, and everyone fits their own. But um, okay. See, so, I like to think I'm not an archetype, but I know the person who says they aren't an archetype is an archetype. So. That's a pretty <laughs> archetypal thing to say. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um. And then, okay, so you went for drama and acting in Chicago, then came back here, and that kind of, like, and your parents stayed here, because your dad was really into, like, the art scene and everything, right? That's oh, kind of yeah. into, into Cleveland, into anything that was going on. So when Absolutely. you came back, did, and, like, the story where we met, I, I still find pretty funny. Um, you saw Hamilton Handshake somewhere, right? At Grog Shop. At yeah. Grog Shop. And I can't remember what show that would have been. If it I was, don't know. Uh... I saw you there a few times. So. Okay. It was that like about when you came back, right? Yeah, I feel like it was probably like late, maybe 2017, maybe late 2016. Okay, that sounds... It yeah. was probably 2017, I'm going to guess. Because I kind of, like, hid in Little Italy for a little bit when I first moved here. I didn't really know anything about the city that much because I had never lived here as an adult before. So yeah. uh, so I kind of was laid low and just kind of, like, landed in Cleveland. Um, and uh, that when I moved on to Coventry after that, that, that's when I started to feel a little bit more connected to everything. Was it but I might have... Sorry. Oh, so, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, being right down the street from Little Italy... Coventry's right there. You know, it's not it, – it connects really quick. But um, Yeah, but in terms of just like day-to-day, like being able to walk down the street oh, to Broad okay. Shop to see a show whenever I wanted type of a thing, um, just running into people at the coffee shop and stuff like that. You know, I, like in Chicago, like at the whole city is – it's a huge city. No, it's – But each yeah. city – each city is a tiny – or each, the, each part of the city is a tiny little neighborhood. Um, and uh, the neighborhoods are very – they're very, you feel like you're in a city within a city type of a thing. So like your block and like whatever your kind of like four or five block radius was, was kind of like, you know, that, that was your, that was your world pretty yeah. much, you know? So I'm kind of used to like landing Where, somewhere and just kind of staying there. That's why Cleveland was interesting because gotcha. I was driving east side, west side, da, da, da. Yeah, you can and take Chicago. it over. Where, like, where in Chicago were you? I'm trying to. Uh, I was on, so I lived, I mean. Honestly, like, I've lived all over the place on the north side, uh, but for okay. the most part, I probably would call Rogers Park my home there. Okay. So I, I remember I played a gig there once. It was like a, like a, I think. It was, I think we talked about this before. Was it, was, it Red Lion Tap? No, no. Red Lion Tap. Maybe it was at the store or something like oh, that. Oh, Cal's Liquor Store. It was. I, they just called it the store or whatever, and they had like a. Let me hold on. I'll pull it up really quick. I got it. Yeah, I'm curious. A little journal about it. I, I think I remember when you were going to play there. Think what? I think I remember when you said you, uh, when you posted you were playing there. I can't what remember, it? though. It was it was supposed to be me and Gall, and they wouldn't, like, we got there all early, and we're like, oh, we're the band from, we're the artists from Cleveland, we're doing the showcase, we're so excited. And then Gall's like, do you think I should tell him I'm 21? And, like, they were super welcoming. And I'm like, I don't know, Gall. Maybe they won't be that upset. They're so cool. We'll just let them know. And then they're like, they're like oh, okay, no. get out. Like, they yeah. straight turned. They're like, nope, you can't beat. Get the f- out of here. Like, this is, no. And, like, it was night and day. Yeah, I have a, I just have the store written down. Yeah, I'm, I, if I remember, I really thought it was 
I think it was like this thousand. It's like a, was it like right downtown, pretty um, much. From what I remember, it didn't take long to get downtown. Like I, it was me and Gaul like spent the first half of the day riding around trying to fill that day with something to do. You know? Right. And uh, it, it was like right. It was like a small like almost like five o'clock lounge esque vibe. Yeah, for uh, sure. But yeah, there's a lot of great places there like that. Like. Like here, like five o'clock is like there's like a twenty five o'clocks there. Yeah, you know it's such a big yeah. place. The city is so huge, and like I can see how like, yeah. how you're saying that you get in one little block and that's your block. It's like New York or something where right Cleveland's like a small city. You don't realize it's a small city until you go to a big city or you come from a big city and you're like. Well, you know the thing I love about Cleveland is it's like it has all. It feels like Chicago to me, like a lot of the time. You know, like. Um, but it's like the parking and the, just like the rel like there's never really any bad traffic to me in Cleveland, you know? So it's yeah. like, there's these benefits that come with it. And for sure. to me, it's just, to me, it's like, uh, to me, I just, I think Cleveland's fantastic, you know, like I just love it so much to my blood anyway. So no, def I agree. Like, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, even like. Even with like the virtual show thing, how that took off and how everyone was supporting each other, like I think that is like a golden moment of the Cleveland, even though with Akron as well, but the, the Cleveland music scene, and that's like what you're walking into, and that's such a special, cool, unique thing that you don't find everywhere, and like a city that's as big as Chicago or New York, you wouldn't find something that cool, and like the connections you make are actually meaningful, you know? Right. Well, you know, that's why I love the theater community there, you know, even though I had like my own personal like things that I was dealing with a lot of the time, um, big book, um, <laughs> but the, uh, but like the theater community there is so it, it feels like the way the music community is here, you know, in theater, cause you spend so much time with people in certain settings, uh, for shows, you know, you're very intimate with a group of people for like three to five months. And then, then you move to another show. It's the same type of thing, but with a whole different group of people. So you really develop these very strong family bonds with people. Um, and in Cleveland, you know, or not in Cleveland, but in the music scene, you know, our bands are really strong families. And sometimes we have really strong connections through our individual members to other bands and things like that. But it's not as, you don't get as much sort of... Uh, there's not as much migration happening yeah. um, with yeah. people sometimes. So, so there's something about a theater community that's 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 extra super special in terms of people taking care of themselves. But what I'm trying to say is that the Cleveland scene, like you're saying, is it, it embodies that mentality. You know, like we're yeah. all in this together, or whatever that means now. You know, there's a lot of that said. Yeah, yeah. Um, that definitely that's posted on like i feel, I feel like that signs. term we're all in this together is was used for like uh was it covid was that what it was yeah and people are like we're not all in this together like you know some people are being left out but i feel like yeah. in, the, in our scene that we're talking about you know we are all in this together is actually it fits. I, well, I don't it yeah fits. it fits yeah and like it yeah yeah that when it gets to be on like street signs, you, uh, I don't know how good the slogan is, but or maybe it's it's overwhelmed. But definitely, like with I agree with that statement with the music scene we have now, like, and 
we'll have later. I think we're going to get through it in that sense. Um, that being said, when we first met, <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> I think I first met you at um, Hannah's mic night in the speakeasy, right? Oh, yeah, there's a video from that night, yeah, and uh. Um, I, what was that? Were you, ho- were you the guest host that night? Um, I, I don't, I don't think I was. Are you talking about the, the, sh- the shirt I was wearing? Yeah. Yeah. And you were in a Hamilton yeah, yeah. handshake shirt. Right. And right. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. The cool, cool, cool. That bass player sucks. And like, <laughs> I was a bass player in the band and I don't know if like, <laughs> I was just I think, like, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I think maybe he's saying that he's in the band. Yeah. I was, I had no idea. <laughs> Oh, but that was awesome. And then, like, I was like, oh, no, he actually likes us. Cool. That never happens. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then I started yeah, going, fun. To, yeah, going to that mic night more, and that's where I got to know you more. And that was a cool that was a cool vibe because it was, like, underneath this fancy bar and, like, um, Hannah and the Joe. And, like, they did a really good job, like, filming it. And it, everything about it was really, really cool. And, like, yeah. that was unique to that mic night. And there's plenty of mic nights around here. Where we get a lot of the same crew rolling in and rolling out, which is kind of sweet. It's kind of like checking in with the homies in another spot, you know, and it keeps everything fresh. Um, but that one in particular had a lot of outside work, I feel, put into it, which a lot of Mike and I didn't. Not the dog, anything else, but like at the right. time, they uh, they definitely went over and beyond to share that uh, that experience that was going on there and kind of giving you a thing to walk away from. But absolutely, I feel like this open the open mic community is one of the reasons why the Cleveland community is strong. Definitely. You know, definitely. And I think I think you really feel like a stronger presence with people who are um, who have either been support. I'm talking not just open mic nights, but about like the winery nights, like CLE yeah. Urban Winery and the Ten by Three. You know, like these types of things. Like I feel like people who go to those just usually have a stronger, um, a, a, a broader broader understanding of community, just based off the experience of seeing so many more people on a more regular basis or whatever. And I feel like we're really missing that right now as a community, you know? So, um, yeah. so, so it has been nice that it has resurfaced in the sort of digital uh, aftermath of shutdowns and whatever. How many of those digital mic nights have you done? You know what? I came in hot right away. I was like, this is fun. This is actually interesting. So one of the places that when I stopped doing theater, which was maybe about like uh, six or seven years ago or so, and I started to really then lean back into picking up guitar, writing music, and really starting to start that path. Yeah. One of my first open mic fans, so I started hosting an open mic um at this bar where i had organized some music competition thing which was sweet i would love to do it in cleveland tell you more about it later um but the um because that sounds intense (laughs) um but the uh this open mic uh, like group that met on wednesdays called in one ear sort of became my this family for me at a time when i really didn't really i was kind of like i was on my last dime with a lot of things with chicago so this this open mic community was the one and that that 
it was, or it was the one that was like so good for me at the time. And they just started, they just did their first trial run of like a zoom open mic thing last Wednesday. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and I went on and did it and it was nice. Uh, it was super nice. Um, but that's the first time I've done one in probably the last like two or three months, you know, getting, getting the EP done took a lot of like, took a lot of precedence, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Was it so like one and one thing with the Zoom open mic that's a little different? Yeah, you can log in and log out, but it's almost like, well, why you get this? Uh, I gotta stay, I gotta sit through the whole thing and I gotta see everyone do it. We're all like just hanging out for each other here, and like it almost like some of those go on for a few more hours than I think a regular mic night would go for sure, absolutely, which is well, fine and cool and super supportive, but like you're saying, it does it requires that. Usually the rest of that night, and like it's, yeah, it's it does. Rest of the night you want to spend. And um, did you run into any homies from before that were doing yeah, this one? Yeah. So the one thing I loved about the way they did their open mic, just to comment on this really fast, is the they time they everyone had five to seven minutes. Okay. Like not everyone had fifteen, twenty yeah. minutes or whatever. Um, and I feel like our our ability to sit through something on Zoom or on the computer screen is so much shorter than our ability to sit through something in person. So I really think the well faster, faster, quicker open mics are uh, are the way to go because they really just flowed nicely. Um, but yeah, I saw a bunch of people, um, and uh, it was uh, it was nice. I learned of a few people who died though, oh, and that that was sad. Yeah, yeah, but. It's been a reality of this year to face yeah. that type of stuff. So, yeah, well, definitely, and definitely for you, my friend, you've definitely had a intense year from the rip of this until, <laughs> to say the least, Ooh. as a friend who's a, a viewing from afar. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I tell you, it's been a real, uh, it's been a real. Uh, I don't know. It's such a weird thing because everything's just been slow motion that I feel like it's been <laughs> nothing's really even like set into where it's supposed to be yet. But I, but I moved to a new apartment and with my best friend and uh, nice. got the EP done, did an EP yeah. release show. You know, I just feel like things that, like, especially in the last, like, uh, month or so have finally settled into a little bit of, like, of life after everything a little yeah. bit. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a fantastic year. It's been so <laughs> weird. <laughs> Well, you say it like that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, oh man, but yeah. Um, so with the EP, kind of going into that a little bit because I I gave it a couple of spins when since it's dropped on Spotify and oh, everything, cool. and it's it's fucking awesome. And oh, like, thanks, dude. it's really cool to hear from the live one you have already on Spotify. Which I don't know when did that one get up on Spotify. So the live from Cleveland. Um, album on spotify i put up on march 27th of this year okay so we had so my dad um my dad had just been put into the hospital on february like 20 something yeah 29th or something like that 27th and he had his surgery on march 6th that live from Cleveland thing was done in studio at 91.1 yeah. for live from Cleveland um, and on March 5th, the day before his surgery. Yeah. So, and I was sitting at the VA hospital with my dad 
And actually the whole family was there because it was the day, night before his thing. And I get a text message about, hey, you should contact uh, WRUW because they need a band to fill in last minute. My thought was like, hey, I have my keyboard with me. The band mostly lives on the east side. So if we can get the drummer there, who was Logan at the time, yeah. and we can do this show, and if they're all on board with it, it was a chance for me to do a live show, even albeit streamed, because they, they did a live stream on YouTube at the time, yeah. um, for my dad to see before his surgery. So so that was, um, and he was able to watch it. It was great. And uh, I really wanted to put something out. And we thought the mix was pretty good. We didn't really mess with it out of out of what they gave us from there. So they give you like just kind of put it up just yeah. to get something up. Oh, you know why we released it then? I think that was one of those like band camp days too. And oh, we, okay. we actually used the money from from those online album sales to donate to people's virtual tip jars. That's awesome. Go, GoFundMe things. So yeah, yeah. we wanted to make sure that money went back into the community. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, so I, I, so that was a, that, that was a huge part of trying to use that for, to make an impact on people. Cause it was super, I know it felt super helpless at first, you know, like everything in my life was kind of like on serious pause and then the world was on pause and then people are, are, you notice people are reacting or they're having a hard time with it. And my inclination is to like do something about it, but then it's like, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it. You don't know when to say it. You don't know what to do. So it was a way to kind of like, to sort of like keep, keep a feeling of, of just trying to make a, a ripple, an impact or like somehow. So, so that album kind of ended up serving that type of a purpose, which is kind of, uh, reminds me of my dad a little bit. He kind of had that mentality about life. So, um, yeah, anyway, so Which yeah, so that album's on Spotify, too. So much cooler than I thought. Why, you know, like, I remember we talked about before a little bit that the live one was up. Um, I think this was when we were planning the, or whatever we're going to do at Negative Space for yeah. the for a memorial for your dad. Um, whatever, we were talking a little about, about it then, but like, that's even cooler knowing that you guys used it for the Bandcamp thing to give back to those tip jars. That's so fucking badass. And like, oh, absolutely. He would, your dad would be so stoked about it. Cause that's, that's such a, no one knows what to do. No one's still, and now with this whole, like, is Facebook going to take away live streaming thing again? Yeah. You know, I'm kind of catching is, up to that. I haven't really, I haven't read anything about it myself. I just saw a couple of reactions from people. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. that looks serious. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I, I saw the serious reactions on Friday, and I, I was feeling bummed out about it because that was a good way. That, and now I'm seeing more things saying, well, it's not that bad. So I don't know yet. I, I just feel like it's a way to stifle people for during an election season. So I, yeah. I don't, it, might, it might even be just some grand distraction from something. For sure. So I'm just like, you know, when, when something goes off or something, you can't do something, then I'll probably worry about it more. Yeah. But for right now, there's just so much, there's so much like, poop in the air of just like people throwing it around so i'm just kind of like I, I don't know i don't know what's real or not right now I, a little bit yeah, so i agree and it's it sucks because there's so much left or right a or b and if you're not one or if you kind of think about the other you're that in like it's such a distraction i think from the person who really is that person like i'd almost rather be like what's your favorite ramon song i don't care like let's, right. let's vibe, let me gauge you let me know you i don't want to know like this 
false perception everyone's prescribing to. They're either A or B, and they can't be the other because it's no one. People aren't A or B. People are complex, weird, thought like jelly people that absorb all these things, and they're hard to understand. Like you can't just pick one person apart from one thing, and like it's it's so frustrating because everyone does that now. You know what I mean? Right. And like, well, you know, also 2020 has us like looking over our shoulder, like. Like, can I swear? Yeah, I've been swearing the whole time. We're kind of just like, what the fuck is coming next? Like, <laughs> so I feel like we're, I feel like we're all like almost in this, in, we're all kind of on this, like, uh, that survival mode almost, you know, yeah. like we're yeah. just kind of, we're all like, we're like that's that cat in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. And it's so easy to be cynical about stuff because it sucks. I was, you know, everything sucks. Yeah. And like, especially like if you, if whatever your occupation involves public, public, you know, any, if anything, if it's a performer thing like we do, or if it's like teaching or if it, it, whatever, if you involve like getting people together in some capacity, it's now way more complicated and everything you've done your whole life is not that anymore. And like, it, it 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 everyone's and especially and then with the politic thing on top of it, it's so much easier to like just go crazy about it. I don't know, like <laughs> or be. It's really about easy it. to go crazy these days. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's like. Uh, I mean, I picked up on this. So uh, a lot of the songs on the EP are were three of the four were written during uh the last like five months okay so um um so the album which was recorded at wrew 91.1 yes and like their room sounds good they do a great job for doing an online radio show and an on-air radio show and giving you a a product to take home you get a sick video and you get the stem files they do a good job at it so when it came time to record like an in-studio ep like you guys did, and um, where did you go? I can't. You told me before, and I can't remember. If it was Superior Sound, or um... uh, we went to the Center for Rock Research. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does. I got to say, like, um, I'll front more up what I'm about to say with this. I love the place. I think it's wonderful. I think everyone should try to uh, should go work there. Um, but I cannot remember the name. I could not remember the name of that place to save my life for the longest time. I was like, the what? Of where? The research <laughs> science studio? Like, I was so confused for the longest time. So, um, but uh, but Dan from CODA, uh, mm-hmm. he he's an engineer there. So, oh, no shit. Okay, cool. And I knew that. So I kept, I would always ask him, like, Dan, where do you work again? Center Dan, of what rock studio research. are you at? Uh, the yeah. Center of Rock Research. Uh, totally. Something the way it doesn't roll off the tongue, so it doesn't stick. Anyway, where was that, Dan? Yeah. So just, <laughs> so just, um, so that that was my initial like. That's how I knew about it. And if you know Mark K, he's also like one of the founders of it too. Okay. Um, but uh, this place is great. It was. It's over. It's actually over on like 38th and uh, like Perkins or Payne yeah, or something. Into space. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So there's this little. There's this little like. Uh, between negative space, um, 
uh, the Center for Rock Research and Ingenuity not too far yeah. away. There's yeah, this yeah. little like this little kind of area building up. It's nice. Um, but anyway, the place is great. Um, we also had asked them about trying to do a live stream. When I talked to Dan about wanting to record, he said, um, he said, oh, we also have a live stream studio space okay. set up multi cameras and stuff like that. Um, and this guy that had messaged us about trying to work with us to help launch a subscription based social social uh, platform for live music for primarily local music, but from all the different cities and stream it into online events and people pay subscription thing. So he's calling it American music tour, but he wanted to do a concert, like a live stream concert to try to like get it off its feet. So we had talked about it like months ago, like right around like May, maybe. Yeah. So in July, I was like, Hey, I think I found a place. So we ended up all working together. Um, it was cool. Some people got a chance to work who haven't worked in months, like a lighting designer and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, they had like, it was basically like a theater that that's yeah. set up in there. All it's missing are seats for people to sit in <laughs> the stage, the lights, you know, uh, all, all the stuff, you know, gels, gels, specials, moving lights, uh, like everything. So it's super, super set up. And I know that, you know, this from all the live streaming you've done. Yeah. You you know, just the ability to switch cameras and everything. It's a big um, little thing that requires a lot. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So so it was, just, it was a really fun experience. So we did the live stream thing to kick off the two days we, we took to record the uh, the four songs to Damn, get them down. Two days? That was – I didn't know it was that. I thought maybe you were working on it for a couple weeks. Thanks. Well – so we did the two days studio and then we took a couple of weeks to kind of like go back and listen to mixes and, you know, move some parts, cut some things, yeah. um, you know, bring some things out, take some things down. Um, and uh, so that process was good. And we actually finished up right on my birthday. I decided I'm going to go to the studio tonight. I'm going to finish those yeah. mixes, Sick. you know. I mean, if we got to the point where we we kind of felt like, man, we could go so much further with this. And every I started to filter listening to it in terms of like, I should we should have done this, we should have done that. Mm. And it took me it took me like a it took me that those like couple weeks after we finished recording to kind of like come to the terms of, you know, this is this is who we are as a band right now. Yeah, this this, this is how it feels, and this is what it is. You know, and I feel good about that. You know, and I'm not, and I'm just sort of planning. This is kind of a jump start for what we could do when we invest in doing a full feature album. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that hard, that's kind of where I'm at. Sorry, that. that's such a hard oh, sorry. mental space to get to, because Ooh, you yeah. you know I mean that's you're listening to this playback of this thing and you're like everyone's gonna hear this. This is what I need to represent me. And you get so into making things perfect and being able to accept that this is a time capsule of us for making our way out of COVID, you know, and like, here's what we did and here's what it sounds like. And the next one's going to be next level and next level. And then you just build up off of that. But it's so hard to like put the cap on like, okay, let's master it or whatever. You know what I mean? Like right. to, to accept that, like, I've done just about everything I can without re-recording because you can go on forever and ever and ever and ever. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was so ready to go there, but our cap was our budget. You know. Yeah. We, Usually so that th- that that helped make the decision a little bit. But but you know, one of the things we did is you know we funded this album with 
with all money that we've earned from doing gigs, yeah. you know? So I feel good about the band kind of like really just sort of really, you know, working for each dollar that we put into the recording process. Um, so, so, so that, that felt good as a band to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just, it, it was important for us. You know, we've had a few like member changes and stuff like that. And this was the first mix of people where I felt like this is the group to go into the studio with. Oh, okay. Sorry. So going into it. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Going into it like that too. And with new members and such or being confident in the crew you have, that takes a while too, because it, it is an investment, you know, and mostly financial investment, the time investment. For sure. Fine. The mental stress is fine. We can handle that. But the mental stress that comes from not being able to pay the guy who now has all your tracks, it's a little more endearing. So to find a crew you know you can bring in, you can have them play to the click, and we can get that drum take in maybe a day or two or whatever right. the, the budget may be. or like it, it makes the whole process easier. And like, Yeah, for sure. What you guys did, which was cool, like, listen, it's layered. You have really cool harmonies. You have a bazooki in it, which is really cool. You added a bunch of stuff that – because with your – you guys are such a live spectacle going into a studio session. It's really hard Ooh, yeah. to capture that, right? And, like, I was not I was excited to see how you guys would do it, and it was really cool. The outcome was fucking awesome. And oh, like, sweet, man. Thank you. What were, like, you were about to tell me about three three songs, and I kind of cut you off. Um, oh, yeah. So I was, no, I think we're meeting it right back at okay. that point at the right time. All right. Um, so the three songs were, uh, three of them were written during the last five months during yeah. quarantine. Um, and just like, just what was going on, you know, and those feelings we were just talking about, about feeling kind of like helpless, but overwhelmed and stressed out and whatever, bummed out, you know, like, um, putting that into those songs and the other song on the ep revolution is from i wrote it right after um the man i dare not say his name but goes by 45 um he uh he had just won the election mm. or whatever yeah. and uh <laughs> um so i so that song was from that time period so it was kind of like the way those two came together now that song revolution is actually on the live thing but it's called something different yeah nor so i called it something different because i knew i wanted to use it for for whatever the next project was and then the song is really called revolution so so i wanted to save the name so it's the same song but has different names on both things that's punk as fuck <laughs> so <Some of the laughs> fans do that that's awesome uh, I didn't know. <laughs> <Fucking wrong. laughs> Was it? So okay. And then the other uh, two were written during the process of recording. Uh, so yes, no, not during the recording. The uh, during quarantine. Gotcha. Sorry, okay. If I misspoke. Um, the uh, so the song had gone. Uh, which also has an alternative title called Oh Lord. Uh, oh Makes Lord okay. had gone. Um, well, I have this thing where when I sing, I don't, it's just, it's, I don't, it's just, it's just an ism of mine. Like I yeah. say, Oh Lord, a lot. When yeah, I sing. which is cool. <laughs> and it's just, I, it's just, I don't know where it comes from, like why it's there, but it's just the guy that when we were recording it, uh, Frank, uh, who was the, you know, lead producer on, on what we did, 
he was like, uh, do you realize you say this all the time? I said, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the like, name of the EP. <laughs> you know, it was uh, so, yeah, I'll tell you about the naming of the EP in a second. But he was just like that. I was like, you know what? It's just who I am, Frank, you know? <laughs> and um, and then, 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 then we kind of thought maybe having the name Apostle Jones could earn us a little, like, uh, oh, a, a little collaterals that, yeah. like, hey, maybe we can get away with kind of saying it more ironically or something like that. Um, uh, but the, uh, the, so, so the song ended up sort of, the song started off, sorry, I'm finding myself again here, here. Um, the song started off as this, I wanted to just keep working on music when quarantine started. So opened up logic, started just playing around with different beats and laying down different chords. I wanted to explore like a more dancier type of feel to songs so a lot of stabbing of the keys and stuff like that. And um, <laughs> I was all protected to horns, 12 vocal takes going at the same time. Um, but, this, but I kept getting these headaches from from hitting the jewel vape for so, too long. Yeah. You know, and I just my, I felt like my head was like pulsating. And of course, Whoa. I thought COVID, whatever, yeah, yeah. all this stuff, you know, but I'm just like going through these things. I'm just like... Uh, so the, I would just usually just kind of rant lyrics and just make them up as I go and record them and see what sticks. Yeah. And the, so this, oh, Lord, my head gonna explode. Oh, oh, you know, ended up yeah. becoming this sort of thing that, that I liked what I created in Logic. And I, and I kind of took it away from that and simplified it down to be a little bit more something I could just play on my own or play with the band. And then the song became the story about sort of these like, the tales of my hoish days a little bit <laughs> so it's so it's it's just really kind of like it's a different song for me usually but it's probably feels like one of the more honest like representations i kind of it's it's, it's a different side usually i come from a more ballad side of uh, approach for music yeah and this ep kind of forced me to sort of it didn't force me the, the ep was actually more a product of trying to be a little bit more intentional when it comes to writing something um that's not just a ballad or from from my heart or something like that gotcha so it was kind of like redefining it i mean i was gonna say that there's some ballads the first tune's almost ballady you know, oh, in, that one. Well, know. I'll tell you about that song in a second. It definitely has. I mean, that has like my dad vibes on it. So that was a. So that that was a little later in quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, well, okay, yeah the 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 Lord part. You do that a lot, oh, and it's oh Lord, which is kind of like a <laughs> um, Anderson Park who does that. Yes, Lord. Um, uh-huh. He does it. It's not as cool as how you do it, but he does it like like a a bit where he says it a lot. Um, it's like your well, AD noticed... pops. Oh yeah, come on! Like everyone's got a thing like that. Oh yeah. Um, another one that I really like that you do. You do this kind of like roar. This kind of like like uh, I, I can't I can't do it, but you know what I'm talking about. And I like, do. I think uh, Gary from Coda calls it the wah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 so cool and like actually I, one of my uh, my nieces called me Uncle Wah. <laughs> was where'd that come from? Um, so I think I was in my uh, my apartment on Coventry, and Anthony was over, and we were recording, and Bobby Vaughn was over there too, and yeah. he was. He set up this. I, I had an interface, but I was like, "What? Make it work, Bobby." So, so Bobby like plugged it in and turned it on, basically. And um, and but he recorded us, and it was kind of one of the things. But like, kind of, it was one of my first times going into 
it was one of my first like really kind of formative recording experiences to be honest in the living room there because i just kind of was like really enjoying kind of making my voice fit into into that moment a little bit yeah and um I wanted to do this sort of like, I don't know if it was a high note or a scream or something, but I didn't want to hurt my voice and I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like break the vibe of it. Yeah. So I sort of did this like inverted scream thing because I didn't want to blow out the microphone. So I thought oh, I'll just suck air away from it. Yeah. And then, and that was kind of where the, where the thing comes from. Yeah. You know, I, I have a student at School of Rock who's a, a met, like a like a Doom Squad metalhead type of dude. Yeah, and I bet and, he loves that. Oh yeah, while well, I'm working with him, I'm not teaching him how to how to like metal scream because I don't know how to metal scream. Yeah, but but you know, I'm working with him on just regular voice stuff. But then we're also we're exploring you know tutorials and books and stuff together in our lessons on how to do the metal screams and he does a lot of interviews with like other metal bands that are currently like uh out there oh, and great. he gets tips from pointers from those guys so yeah it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite voice lessons because it's it's we get to explore something together yeah. and, it, and it's it's a, it's a it's a fun thing and you're learning um, from him and that that's awesome like right. that's how it should be right yeah definitely but how you place that 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 inward scream, like especially on that last song on the very end, is where you put that on the EP, those those wahs, like yeah, it's so well done. I thought I was like, because I've heard you do that live all the time. I'm like, oh, that's sick. I'm like, I wonder yeah, if that's so, I remember up. some shows back in the day where I felt like the whole set was <laughs> <laughs> like I should probably like tone that down a little bit. <laughs> but it's in the live. It makes sense. It's in the spot you're feeling. It, you're like, yeah. Um, yeah, it is a weird thing, you know. Bert actually um, in Head Gone, you know, there's a there's a there's a couple of them in there, but we wanted the last one to have a little bit more of like a real explosion feel almost. So yeah. Bert actually laid down a legit like high like scary movie scream oh, like wow. o o over it. So if yeah. you listen closely to like those um, to those sort of like uh, oh, moments in that one that the last one you could hear Bert on the top there it was, it's uh it's really good he was like be, he's like be ready I'm about to scream or we were like okay whatever and then he screamed we're like what was that <laughs> <laughs> it was so good but That's um awesome. yeah do you do piano too at school of rock uh I have one keyboard student and he's seven years old yeah and teaching zoom lessons teaching keyboards over a zoom lesson is i thought would be one of the more challenging things uh yeah. to do but i actually feel like uh first of all i, lo I love my kid um yeah. such a joy to work with um and he's funny i it's just it's, it's just it's i love it it's cool um awesome. and i really feel like the zoom thing has been helpful because i feel like there's actually a little bit more focus on um, on the lesson because when I would do them in, in the classroom um, with, with all respect due to eight and seven year olds climbing on the piano grabbing yeah. highlighters you know whatever you yeah. know there's a lot of distraction there's press, things. pressing all the keys turning on organ you know I mean all that yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. like ah so I've really enjoyed the zoom lessons it's also given me a chance to sort of really try to understand like how to be how to explain something when you can't just show it 
you know, and, um, so yeah, they've been good though. I've been really grateful, um, to the school of rock folks. They've just been just incredible throughout all of this and for everything that I kind of went through personally, you know, that's just so supportive and, you know, they, they just run such a good, good program there. And, and the kids have been just really good. You know, Zoom lessons kind of sucked really bad at first, but I feel like everyone started to get used to that sort of platform. And like good humans do, we adjusted, you know? Yeah. Well, it's different. I, I definitely, because that's kind of how I'm teaching now, too, is all of yeah, it, yeah. like Google Meets. And like, right. I saw your post the uh, other day about something like that. Yeah. It, it's weird, but it's a, uh, it's cool. It's cool. Um, and it's weird that some kids tune in more, and I don't know if it's because you're you're the distraction in the room now, as opposed to <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Um, but where I was, you mentioned you play guitar a little bit too. What, I mean, clearly vocals are like your forte and your strong point. And sounds like you, especially with like going into drama, you learn how to throw your voice and speak and learn how to work it like that. But when did like playing piano come in? Was that prior or did guitar come in before or... um well piano and voice were around the same time so okay. that makes sense because you, you need something to comp a, a company right so my parents when i was younger younger uh they got a my dad painted houses and did all that stuff so you would often find people trying to get rid of stuff yeah so it's like he was getting rid of this like super tall old out of tune chip and ivory type of piano sick and um so they put it in like whatever living dining room we had at the time and um i was just i loved lionel richie yeah and Again? he's sick i i don't know <laughs> but so like best but commodore so, so i got this book and i love gladys knight you know these, these are kind of too, songs yeah. listening to but i would go to sam ash all the time and i would like buy like sheet music for for singles that i've heard yeah. on the radio um and then uh would just figure it out like i could read notation like yeah. uh like like c d e f g a b whatever so i would kind of like just kind of feel it out and then i started just matching it with the guitar chords above it and then i mean i just kind of yeah. i would just like i love this song still by lionel richie i want to play it and i would just sit down and try to learn how to play it um, I love the musical, the whiz, I would sit down and play the whiz, you know, it's just yeah. like, um, so that's really kind of where that developed from. Um, but I, for some reason, my more journey into songwriting started when I didn't have a piano and I was more just limited to a, an acoustic guitar. Mm, okay. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, a lot of my guitar playing is very like, no bar chords so you know all my ranges in terms of chords on there so that's why a lot of my songs tend to have a more kind of simple guitar like like very like one four five type of approach to it so with the ep i wanted to try to break out of that a little bit gotcha you know so i felt like i had the tools to mess around with it a little bit better and um so yeah so it's, it's just a really fun discovery process going into the whole thing too was it and it definitely does like as far as breaking out of the one four five thing and like uh so primarily did you jump from songwriting with guitar to songwriting with piano for this or just in general with the group um well I'm sorry what were you gonna say I was gonna say because I don't think I've ever seen you just rock a guitar I've only seen you I've always seen you um accompany yourself with piano like even right. when you're playing by yourself 
Well, yeah, well, I guess you didn't go to the right mic night. I guess not. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, carrying a piano really sucks sometimes. So um, For sure. For I have sure. no problem playing guitar at open mic sometimes. But the um uh but no, I love playing guitar. I just I don't know how to really. Um <laughs> but um but the uh I just I just like the I just like uh playing with it more and something i'm thinking about like picking up for the band too like with window dogs like i love i love when sean plays acoustic with the band you know i, I think yeah. it's i think it's charming you know i think it's good if tyler ray would play the acoustic guitar one time i would be happy though gotcha. i'm so, asking him over the podcast because he's continually said no to me to this point <laughs> oh, come on tyler come on tyler he feels so did he play bazooki on that last track he did. He killed it on that. I could have sworn that was it? Costa. So I'm sure you'd be stoked to hear that too. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, Costa Costa commented on our uh, announcement on our Instagram post. Was, yeah. He commented about the the bazooki. I was like, the bazooki will always find you, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think he finds a way of always finding it. Costa always right. finds. He posts some crazy, awesome bazooki stuff. Um. Now, was no, I was Ty- super impressed by Tyler. My goodness. Yeah. Was he on? Was he guitar all the way through this record? He was. Okay, cool, cool. Was it? And uh, I can hear, it, especially like in that first jam. Um, speaking of which, you wanted to talk about that a little bit because that is the title of the of the EP. And I thought it sounded like you were going to go somewhere with a. Oh, so just in comparison to like we were talking about ballads versus. Um, non-ballads yeah <laughs> and and uh and lilith is definitely more on the ballad side so when my dad was in the hospital i started writing the song and uh it just had this like feel to it that was just like the original hook was can you hear that yeah yeah so the original hook was wake up daddy here i'm coming for you Ooh, yeah so it's kind of it's kind of the feel of it, and yeah. then the song got really personal. Um, uh, it was called "Wake Up, Daddy." I think I, you know what? I actually think I submitted it for a Cleveland singer songwriters weekly challenge thing that Taylor Lamborn yeah. put up there. I'm just remembering that now, and um, so that's kind of like the song came out of sort of like a, a writing prompt to write about something. I forget what the, what it was. That's awesome. But anyway, so but I wanted the song to not be just about like here's a sad boy about his about his dad yeah so but i love i like the melody i like the chords and all that stuff so when i brought it to the band it just kind of started to just feel a little bit more like a started to have a little bit more of a going through something dark in your life period and knowing knowing that that you're at that sort of proverbial bottom and the only thing you can do is pick yourself up but it's it's that moment before you decide to pick yourself up that this song kind of lives. You know, it's right before it's right before the light comes out of the shadow mm. type of a thing. So hence the name Lilith, which actually which is more coincidental that the moment my dad died, the the moon, um, which is like the soul, yeah. was on my Lilith on my chart. I'm sorry if you don't know what that means, but um, basically Lilith was really strong on my um, on my soul at that moment that my dad took his last breath. So to kind of honor the original origin of the song, called it Lilith, but it also kind of in a backwards way 
is Lilith too. Yeah. So, so the song is so the song is definitely we, we as a band thought that that song was the strongest one that we recorded. We also felt like it was a little bit of a shift for us in terms of like musicality and uh, and we we, we just we, we felt it was like the most different song that we've ever done as a band and. Um, it just felt very natural in a lot of ways. I think um, a friend of mine uh, described the song as a 3 a.m. song. And that's that. kind that's of... a good description. Okay. Yeah, I loved it. So that kind of is like... That's kind of like where where I identify with kind of like those bottom moments of my life. It's kind of like 3 a.m., like, what the fuck am I doing type of a thing so so yeah so, so the song the, the song's super special but that's why that's a ballad because it's all in my feelings <laughs> that, that makes well that's awesome it makes sense and like knowing that the kind of the story behind the title and the title ep puts the whole thing into super perspective beside from being a, a sick track and with like a rock and hook and some badass guitar it makes you know i mean that, yeah, that, that solo Tyler pulled out was so good. You know, we were, we were running it a few times, and it just wasn't. It's just feeling like it just wasn't right. So, um, so we took like just like a quick thirty second break, and I went over to the where Tyler was isolated, and I was I said, and I was like, and we just kind of talked quickly about the feel of like where we want the song to go. Yeah. I played them a little. So I love the song X Factor by Lauren Hill because of this guitar solo at the end. Yeah. And I play Tyler just, I say, five seconds of this thing. I'm like, I want like this type of tone. You know, I wanted to have this type of, I want to have this type of spirit. And then I walked away and then Tyler did the next take and it was just like, whoa, where did that come from? So I think that guitar solo just really just, it comes out of nowhere, you know, and it's just that I, I thought it, could be more more uh, proud of of what he did in the studio. I thought it was great. You like George Clinton him, <laughs> like with a uh, with maggot brain or whatever. He's like play like your mother died, then came back alive. Except for you, oh, like Lord. an actual example of <laughs> make it rock like this, and like and then he made it rock <laughs> like that. That's awesome. Yeah, that guy. He, I got nothing but good words to say about Tyler. He can rip. Well, yeah, absolutely, whole, dude. Whole group, man. All right, Mikey. Well, man, I appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Um, I love you, Dave. Thank you. Love you too, my friend. I'm uh, going to play us out here. Here's uh, Lilith to take us out. Thanks for hanging, friends. Mikey Silas. Um, and Lilith, the EP is on all streaming platforms, so check it out.
Can I open up to you? Can I share you my deep dark side? 